The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get ready for today's episode of Benched with Bubba, let me talk to you about Draft. Draft Draft.com, Draft in your app store, is a great way to play fantasy sports, and right now, they have NFL best balls going and going strong. Go check it out. It's a great way to play. You draft. You don't worry about it. They take your best scores each week. It's a ton of fun. Use promo code SD Sports when you check out, and you'll get entry into a free $3 best ball tournament. So go check it out. Draft in your app store, draft.com, promo code SD Sports when you check out, and enjoy a great, fun way to play fantasy sports. Now to this week's edition of Benched with Bubba. everybody to another episode of Benched with Bubba, episode 104. Going to talk some NFL best ball drafting tonight, some strategies, some players, the whole gamut of it. In order to do so, have one of the best there is that does it. He's working on a new project called Best Ball Command Center. You can find him on Twitter at Beerswater. Mike Beers, how you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks a lot for having me on. I'm excited to talk some best ball with you. Um, season's getting closer and closer. Yeah, I'm a, everybody knows that knows me knows I'm kind of a, a baseball guy first and then I really do love football. So I, I, I push off the beginning of football a little more than some other guys do, but <laughs> we're, we're, we're basically in July. So there's no point in, in fighting it anymore. It's, a, it's go time. Um, yeah, I mean, the real nutcases like me got started in, what, like March? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we're getting into the uh, the uh, the more normal um, NFL preseason. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. I know like, guys like yourself, Evan Silva, a lot of the guys that have done this for a long, long time, um, you guys have been drafting since before the draft. How, how many drafts do you think you've done so far? 
Um, you know, it's it's across a few sites, but I'm I'm approaching about a hundred now. Uh, you know, I think uh, a guy like Silva, I think he's probably at like four hundred already. Um, not quite that crazy, but um, yeah, I've, I've done my fair share so far. What's your uh, end goal? How many do you plan on doing? Uh, yeah, I'll probably end up somewhere between like 150 to 200, uh, which would be the most for me uh, so far. You know, I, I approached 100 the past couple of years, and um, that felt like a good amount. And now, um, but doing the Best Ball Command Center this year, I feel like a lot more locked in um, and just want to be involved in more drafts. Um, you know, I feel more comfortable with it. And um, also, it helps me keep a pulse on what's going on. So it's good. No, it, it is a great format, and that's why I wanted to have you on to kind of tell people that, you know, haven't done these yet. They've only been around for a handful of years now, and each year they pick up steam on popularity on what they are. And, you know, Draft has, has developed a really good tool to to use on the phone and a cool format of a half-point PPR and no defense. And you got the MFL 10s on fan ball that everyone's been used to for quite some time. Um, either way, the, there's P, one-point PPR, half-point PPR. There's a lot of different strategies. Let's talk about a few of them. Um, we'll talk about the first one here. Zero running backs. People throw that term out. They want to go, you know, wide receiver heavy out the gate and then zero, and then, then pick up their like second tier, third tier running backs later on. What's kind of your philosophy on that, and how would you go about it if you went that direction? Yeah, so it's um, it's really become kind of a buzzword, the zero RB. Um, you know, it's – it's not as popular this year. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago, going into uh, 2016, I think, um, Zero RB had done really well in 2015, and everybody wanted to do it. You know, wide receivers were like six of the first nine picks in most best ball drafts. And, um, you know, that year um, I decided, well, this, this is just crazy. And I, I came up with this idea of uh, drafting three running backs with your first three picks uh, because you could get such good ones and just stopping like not drafting any more running backs the rest of the way. Um, you can't do that really this year. I mean, people, the pendulum has swung back. Um, you know, running backs are most of the first and second round. And, um, you know, zero RB really is a, it's a thing you can do now again. Um, and it can work really well. It's a little different in best ball than, um, you know, certainly your normal, than in your normal season long leagues. Um, most importantly, because you don't have a waiver wire, you know, in these best ball drafts, you do your draft and then it's over. Um, you can't pick somebody up if a guy gets injured. Um, you know, there, you can't really make up for your mistakes there. So um, one thing you got to do is make sure you draft more running backs than you might otherwise. Um, if you start with those wide receivers in the first few rounds uh, and tight ends, you know, you, you want to go to uh, maybe six or seven running backs in these um, MFL 10 and uh, draft leagues. If you're going to wait, um, until the fourth or fifth round to get your first one. No, that's a good it's point there. That, that's a good point. It's like you go and get a couple of the big boys, like a David, uh, you know, a, a, a Bell or a, um, I'm blanking on names right now, a Todd Gurley or some of those uh, big time running backs. You can definitely take fewer of them, like you're saying, instead of having to stockpile and stockpile and stockpile, hoping right. uh, some random guys hit. Now, the opposite end of the zero running backs, and you don't see it as much, but I've seen it the word thrown out there this year, and I don't I don't know how you could really go about it, but with the way running backs are catching the ball more, especially maybe on the MFL ten sites where they get a full point PPR, how do you look at a zero wide receiver philosophy where like you mentioned you can go three running backs heavy or something and then go receivers? 
Yeah, so it, it's funny. Zero wide receiver is a like a really bad name for it. Um, you know the the way I was doing it a couple of years ago was like I said, a draft uh, those three running backs um, with the first three picks. You can get like three guys from the top fifteen, really. Um, and then, but but then what you have to do is you actually you don't draft zero wide. You draft a lot of wide receivers. I, I was drafting nine in a twenty round draft um, if I only drafted those three running backs. And uh, it's totally viable if you can get those, you know, really strong running backs earlier. It's just harder to do this year because everyone's sort of piling in on running back. But, um, you know, just like I was saying um, about zero RB, you know, you need to draft more running backs. If you start wide receiver heavy, if you start in with those running backs, you compensate through uh, just drafting more wide receivers, you know, so I'm, you know, I'm allocating almost half of my roster to wide receivers if I'm not drafting any before the, uh, you know, fourth or fifth round. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a really important part of best ball is just sort of balancing that, you know, you, you keep track of where you've spent your, uh, your high value picks and, um, and then, you know, you go to the lower end or the higher end of your range in terms of number of players based on, you know, how you allocated that draft capital. You mentioned uh, balancing there, and I should probably have said before we've started, most of these leagues are 18 players. You just can make sure you have all the, the quarterbacks, running backs, tight ends, receivers. Uh, like I said, draft doesn't have a, a defense. So it's just however you want to break it up, you break it up. And then you mentioned balance right there. On your ideal set- setup, and you, like I said, you were very, very successful in the past, in recent years. What's you, what do you find to be kind of the best recipe of how many quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers to kind of look for? Yeah, so I'm go- I'm going to give you a range for each because um just like I was saying, depending on how you draft, it's going to change. You know what you should you should probably do, but um you know pretty clearly um, unless you're in a much bigger draft like the FFPC has 28 rounds, it changes a little bit. But you know on draft and MFL 10, you want two to three quarterbacks. Um, you, you can't get away with one, and you're really you're going too far with four. Generally speaking, um, for running back. Uh, most of the time you're going to be at five or six. Um, if you really, you know, invest early, maybe you can get away with four or in a special case three, but really it's five or six running backs. Um, and then at wide receiver, you generally going from seven to nine, um, tight end again, just like quarterback, it's two or three. Um, you know, you can't get away with one. You're, you, we got bye weeks. So, you know, when, uh, you're going to take a zero there if you only got one and then, um, you know, on MFL 10s, you've got defenses. It's not an issue on draft, but for defenses, again, it's two or three. So in each of those onesie positions, you want at least two, you know, um, and then it really once you get past three, though, you're, you're investing a little too much. All right. That kind of brings me to my next question on the balance idea. I know players like yourself to play a lot of, of drafts. You try to kind of have a rough percentage of each player. Like you don't want to be too overweight on a certain guy. You don't want to be too if you a guy you really like. You don't want to be super underweight. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with your tiering system or your ranking system or whatever you use. What's kind of like the ideal? Say it's like a, a, a Le'Veon Bell or um, Antonio Brown, one of those star star players. What's your ideal percentage of ownership across all your your uh, drafts? Yeah, so it kind of changes based on um, what part of the draft we're talking about. So if we're talking about Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, um, you know, I don't want to have too much invested in any of those guys that go in the first or second round because then you're just 
you know, if you're doing a lot of these drafts and, you know, you have 80% exposure to Le'Veon Bell, um, it, you know, that's not really even possible to get because you get random draft spots. But you just yeah. say you did, you're betting your whole season on Le'Veon Bell. You know, like if he goes down early, you're really kind of screwed. Um, so on those early guys, I, you know, say the first handful of rounds, I don't like to go above 20, maybe 25% um exposure and uh you know first or second round guys probably not even more than 15 percent but um you know as you get later in the draft i mean you know you take you can take some shots um i'll i'm not going to go as you know crazy with it but um we're talking guys in double digit rounds i'll go 30 35 percent of my you know quote-unquote portfolio uh might be in a player if I really like them. Um, but that's kind of my comfort zone. You know, if, if I were over 40% in any player, I, I'd be uncomfortable. So in, a, in an idea like that, um, if we can compare it to say DFS in theory, when you're building your lineups in DFS, do you kind of look to stack? Say you have, you know, this quarterback in the 12th round and I want to get heavier with this random guy and say round 16 or something, or do you do that at different points in your draft? Like, do you look to stack when you're getting multiple type stuff? Uh, yeah, it's not, it's not nearly as big a thing for best ball as it is in DFS because, you know, DFS, it's just the one week or one game, um, thing, you know, so that correlation matters a whole lot more, but generally speaking over an entire season, which these best ball leagues are, it, it doesn't matter that much. Um, what does matter though, is if you really like an offense uh, in general, like you think an entire offense is very good and generally undervalued, you're going to end up with more guys from that team or the the group of teams. So, you know, you might end up with, um, you know, multiple saints at the same time, just by drafting value, you know, um, you're going to end up with teams that have, um, you know, a bunch of saints or a bunch of Patriots because those are really good offenses and you're making smart picks. But it's not really something I do intentionally. Um, it's just something that that kind of happens organically. Um, when you're talking about kind of taking chances on players, because you mentioned this is a you know it's a draft and hold theory. You draft, you don't get a waiver wire, so maybe you're going to take a chance on a guy, you know, a deep threat option that you know three or four weeks out of the year is going to just go crazy. That in a season long league you probably wouldn't draft because that's just a, a roster spot you can't trust. But in best ball, where they take that those three or four weeks and it can be huge for you, he kind of moves up your list. When do you start taking chances on players more so in your best balls than you might in like a regular season draft? Uh, yeah, that the format's a big deal there because those guys are gold in best ball. Um, you know, if you've got seven, eight, nine wide receivers on your team, it doesn't matter if they're going to be putting up zeros even half their weeks. You know, because you don't have to decide when you're going to put them in your lineup, you don't have to get it right. You know, that, that tough sit start decision that we're making all year during the season, that's just out the window. So, you know, those guys, uh, you find a lot of them sort of in the later teen rounds, you know, maybe like 13th round and beyond. I'll start drafting a lot of guys like um, one guy. I have a lot of shares of this year, Mike Wallace, um, who I don't expect to score points very many points at all every week, you know, but I expect him to break open, um, you know, especially he's on a better team now. Um, the Eagles uh, break open a few games for me, and I'm getting him in the 16th, maybe 17th round of these drafts. And, you know, as the seventh or eighth wide receiver on my team, he's going to contribute. He's not going to hurt me when he doesn't show up because I've got those other guys filling in the blanks. And, um, you know, I like to get uh, 
some of those higher floor guys early in the draft, you know, so if we're talking first five, six, seven rounds, um, I'm not looking for somebody who's going to be, you know, a zero several times a year or is like super volatile. But after you get that kind of baseline, um, it really pays off to take shots in best ball. Um, there's really no downside to it or limited downside. And especially wide receiver, those guys are the most volatile. Um, you know, running backs, they're volatile like in a different way. Um, a lot of running backs, they could be a zero on the entire season or they could be a home run. Uh, whereas wide receivers, you know, it could be a zero or home run week to week. That's the kind of bet you really want to make. I think um, when you get late in the draft, those running backs that could be a zero for the whole year, when you can't drop them um, and you can't replace them during the season, those are a much higher risk uh, investment. And that kind of brings us back to one of your initial points. There is uh, these running backs. You're starting to see less and less zero running backs because you kind of want that guy that's going to be a home run all year instead of taking more of the gamble at the running back position. It's kind of what I'm, I'm understanding from you there. And you can take the gambles on receivers. Now, when you go into your drafts, obviously it depends on what position you have. You mentioned it's random draft positions. We don't know how that's all going to pan out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I play draft on the regular on other stuff, and you get that last pick, and you're like, God, like <laughs> we're screwed on a small slate or something. But uh, best ball, obviously, a little different. But uh, – do you go in kind of hoping, you know, if you're in, you have a strategy for each set of picks, like if I'm here, I'm going to go heavy running backs early and then go with like the eight receivers with, with gambles. And then if I'm at this point in the draft, kind of flip it, or do you, I'm assuming you have that all planned out already. Yeah. Um, you know, it kind of works itself out over the, uh, the course of the season, but, um, you know, I don't go in with a plan, but the drafts, they, they tend to play out in a similar way, you know, each time you do them. So, you know, if I've got a top three pick uh, this year, you know, getting um, Gurley or Bell or David Johnson, um, it just works out. You know, you're going to take one of those guys. And then when you get around the uh, second and third round turn, there's usually two running backs available before kind of a drop off um, the way I see it in terms of like a tier. So a lot of times when I have an early pick, I'll end up with three running backs like right away. Um, you know, sometimes they go earlier or later than usual, you know, it can mix it up, but that that happens most often. And then at the end of the um, first round, you know, running backs really have been getting drafted earlier than last year and certainly than the year before Uh, you can end up with something like um, Odell Beckham and Julio Jones, you know, at the, at the one, two turn, which is an amazing start. Um, And it, you know, you end up with a completely different team than when you um, had that early pick and you started with David Johnson or something like that. But um that's so that that's kind of the difference I've noticed. Um, so I'll end up with more kind of zero RB wide receiver heavy teams if I have a late pick, and more of those are running back heavy teams if I have an early pick. Let's go to one of the fun fun parts about uh, the best ball drafts, and that's the rookie class. And uh, I mentioned that some guys are already drafted before the draft, kind of hoping certain things would pan out certain ways. And you know, you'd imagine most of the guys you're going to pick in a draft, it worked out to that that area you're looking for. But now we know where they're at. We kind of have a rough idea already where they fit in that system. How do you approach rookies in uh, these best ball drafts, you know, especially like the backup quarterbacks like a Josh Rosen who might start day one, might take a few weeks, and then you got Saquon Barkley who we already know is going to be the guy there, and so on and so forth with these rookies. Yeah, so uh, you mentioned that the fun time for rookies is uh, his past, really. Um, 
I did this project earlier in the year looking at what happens to uh, the rookie running back ADPs after the NFL draft. Basically, I, I came to the conclusion you should just draft all of them before the uh, NFL draft. It's just just blanket statement, just draft them all whenever you have a chance because, uh, you know, 75% of them are going to be more expensive after the draft and some of them are going to be home runs. And and I was doing that and I was telling our subscribers to do that. So, you know, we're all um, very overweight on Royce Freeman and uh, Rashad Penny and, uh, you know, unfortunately, Nick Chubb also, you know, there were, there were some that were losses, but um you know, it's, it's a different game now. I mean, you can't, you I'm not just indiscriminately drafting rookie running backs and um, a lot of them, uh, you know, are pretty appropriately priced at this point. Um, I'm still drafting um, Rashad Penny. If he gets to, you know, sort of the back half of the fourth round, he's often gone before then um, Royce Freeman in the, you know, the end of the fifth or maybe sixth round. I like those guys. Um but there's still a lot of uncertainty, you know, like uh, Chubb. I don't know exactly what to do with him. Uh, you know, is he going to win the job over Carlos Hyde? I yeah, I don't know. Uh, it might be that he does, but not until the second half of the season. So the way I approach that kind of situation is, you know, I'll, I'll draft both Hyde and Chubb, but not on the same team. So I think probably one of them is going to be the winner there. But I honestly, it's beyond me who it's going to be. So I'll spread them out across my um, across my drafts, and um, I'm doing the same thing with like uh, the Green Bay running backs, um, Williams and Aaron Jones. Um, but then uh, you know you mentioned the the rookie quarterbacks. My approach to them is I'm just not touching them um, honestly because all you know none of them right now look like a lock to start week one. Some of them might look like that by the end of August, but they certainly don't now. And, um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you don't get a chance to drop a guy and replace him in these best ball uh, drafts. So I don't want a guy who's not going to, who I'm not expecting to start 16 games. Um, He's just, you know, he's eating up a roster spot that is very, very valuable in this format. Uh, So generally speaking, I'm not drafting those guys. Um, Wide receivers, you know, um, I wasn't aggressive with them before the draft and I'm, not really right now either. Um, I think DJ Moore, um, you know, is kind of interesting, but he's also kind of expensive already in these drafts. Um, Anthony Miller is another one that I think is kind of interesting. He's much cheaper, but um, you know, for the most part, I'm kind of easing off of the rookies uh, right now because the, the cat's out of the bag on a lot of them, you know, Um, especially the running backs, Uh, the time to really, to really make a big profit um, was, was a couple months ago, unfortunately. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting way to put it. Cause it makes a lot of sense is when people are a little more suspect, they'll kind of let things fall apart. And then, you know, they get the shiny new toy and you have an idea of how it works and now we all want a piece of it. So right. Right, that's a fun, that's a funny way to put it. Um, you kind of, when you were breaking all that down between the Packers and all the other running back situations, just quickly. So you're not a guy that uh, kind of does the handcuff when it comes to the best balls. I uh, no, I'm I'm firmly against handcuffing in best ball. Um, you know, I don't necessarily have problem with it in season long leagues. I think it's a different kind of animal. But um, in best ball, I actually did like a a study on this, looking at the past um, few seasons in MFL tens, how it played out, and really what what ends up happening is the teams that handcuff. Yeah, like they, re- you know, when something happens to the the lead running back, it really did help their team but they didn't actually help their team win. You know, it just helped their team not come in last place. 
you know, they might might have come in fourth place instead. Uh, and just the the penalty from losing that first or second round running back that you're handcuffing, it, it hurts your team so much that you're kind of lost anyway. Um, so I, I kind of look at it as like overpriced insurance that that's not going to pay off for you. Um, and another issue with handcuffing is a lot of times um, we get the handcuff wrong. You know, like yeah. we think it's going to be one guy and it ends so up being true. another. You know, um, the year that Noshan Moreno uh, was crushing fantasy leagues, that was like thirteen or fourteen. Um, yeah, I think everybody thought it was Hillman that was going to be the guy ahead of him or, or something like that. Um, and this happens all the time. So it's it just doesn't feel like a good uh, a good bet. Uh, at least in terms of best ball. No, that's, that's a really good point because we often don't get the handcuffs right. The, the, uh, it's almost like the coaches try to play a game with all of us and say, no, this is not what's going on here. So uh, that, that's a really good point there. You know, it, it seems like you're going with the approach for the most part early in rounds, especially and a lot of these rookie running backs and some of the bigger receivers are going earlier than the, the kind of late round gambles. Do you prefer to maybe take a chance on an upside guy? It doesn't have to be even a, a, a rookie, like just kind of a maybe a guy that's maybe on a down year but coming back and you think he's going to bounce back. Would you rather gamble on him compared to like the, the the consistent floor guy that might be drafted right around him? It really depends on what part of the draft we're talking about. Um, you know, with my early picks, I'm looking for safety um, because, you know, when – Basically, if, if a guy's being drafted in the first four or five rounds, pretty much everybody agrees that he's good for one reason or another. You know, it could be they think he has a lot of upside. They could, you know, he has a good floor, whatever. I like, I want the one who's, I prefer the one who I'm most certain is going to be a contributor all year and is going to return that price. Whereas, um, you know, if a guy has a, a, like a low floor, um, but a, a lot of upside in the third round. Um, a good example, I think, is Joe Mixon. Um, you know, this is a guy, he's he's going at the beginning of the third round in drafts right now. Um, people really like him. I can see the argument for the upside. You know, he could be a bell cow running back. Um, but, you know, he was like running back 30, 32 or something in PPR leagues last year. He has to really, really step up his production in order to return that early third round pick. And that that's not the kind of bet I want to make. Like I want the guy who, if he just does what I, you know, I think he should do or what he has done, he's going to give me what I need from that pick. And I'll, I'll shoot for the upside a few rounds later when the cost of missing is not so painful. You know, like if you're, if your third round pick is a bust, you're in a lot of trouble. Yeah. If your seventh round pick is a bust, you're, you're, you can survive. It's kind of the no. idea there. That's so, so true. It's true with season long with best ball. It's you know, those early picks. You need, you need to hit them. And uh, I've always said you can you can lose a draft in the early rounds, but you're not going to win the draft in the early rounds. It's kind of the way yeah. I've always looked at. So it, it correlates to best ball, it seems like. Um, before we kind of go into a little bit of a position conversation, are, are there any other kind of strategies that we haven't talked about or anything that's kind of been peaking the airwaves these days? Um. You know, I think just a couple things that are um, specific to best ball, you know, the we touched on it, but the idea of, um, you know, getting those high variance or, or volatile players on your teams in best ball. I mean, they're they're definitely more valuable. You know, you're um, 
like your, your Mike Wallace, like I mentioned, or Deshaun Jackson, those kind of guys that kind of make you cringe when you put them in your lineup um, in the, uh, you know, the regular season long games. Um, you know, they're great assets to have on this team um, because they, you know, again, you're, you're not really penalized when they miss because you have so many other guys who can fill in for them. So that that's one thing just to really underline. And, and then the idea that um, you gotta, you just gotta be like with the running backs, you can't just have a bunch of high risk guys, you know, um, because if, if one person doesn't pan out or two guys don't pan out, you you can't replace them. Um, you know you got to get a floor in there somewhere. You really need a floor at every position, um, and then you know you build your your risk on top of that. But um, yeah, I mean we can go on. I just think those are important uh, best ball specific topics. No, those are very very good because uh, I like the, the to keep reiterating like you keep saying is the floor the floor because. You know, it seems like everyone gets so happy playing best ball. Going, I get to take my chances on these guys because, you know, I might not draft them in a regular draft because I don't trust them, but somehow it's different in a best ball to them. It's just you hear that kind of talk a lot that the the random people want to play these guys. So it's good to keep reiterating that for sure. We take this brief break from Bench with Bubba to talk to you about RotoWare. It's one of the best quality shirts in the industry. When I mean industry, all the clothing industry, the fantasy sports industry, because people are rocking it. They're loving it. You're seeing it in a lot of big outlets now. The no other brand can compete with RotoWare in terms of quality. They're premium blend fabric, super soft, comfortable, athletic fit shirts. They specialize with a special, special printing process. The design is part of the shirt. Literally, it is, it is dyed and bleached into the fabric. No thick ink. There's over 30 different designs right now. It's just crazy all the stuff they have coming out, and there's more and more stu- stuff every time you turn your head. They have fantasy football, baseball, hockey, basketball, some really cool DFS ones, but everything's great. They have men's, women's, and kids. Check them all out. Go to rotoware.com, R-O-T-O-W-E-A-R.com. Check them out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Rotoware. But the cool part, guys, if you use the promo code DGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, you get 20% off your order. Again, promo code DGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S. Check their site out. Check them Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. They're always giving away free shirts. And then when you go to purchase the ones you want for you, your loved ones, your friends, your family, whatever, use promo code DGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, for 20% off your order. Now back to this week's episode of Bench with Bubba. Let's go position by position, just a little quick here and there. I don't want you to give away all the players you're targeting because that's no fun for you. But um, just kind of some guys you've seen doing some drafts you've, you've already had and everything. We'll start at the quarterback position. We all know the, the big guys up top that are going to be kind of QB1s ideally in these teams. What are some of the later quarterbacks you're looking at? So maybe second or third quarterbacks late in drafts that you see just falling a lot that you, you wouldn't mind having late in the draft? Uh, yeah, so one guy who's not especially late, but has definitely been a big target of mine, is um, Marcus Mariota. I think um, you know people are catching on a little bit, but he's he's in the um, he's definitely in the quarterback two range in terms of price, and uh, that whole exotic Smash Mouth thing in Tennessee is um, is gone. Um, you know, we've got a new offensive coordinator in there. I think he's a very talented guy. We saw two years ago he was a top twelve quarterback. Uh, fantasy quarterback and I think they're going to really turn around that offense this year so he's a guy I really like to get um, I think he's a like he's an exceptional second quarterback for your team and he, you know he's even a, a solid first quarterback um, but then a little later than that uh, which you know gets more interesting I really like uh, Case Keenum 
Uh, he's really he's like in the quarterback three range in terms in terms of price. I think he's locked in as a starter this year. You know, I don't know what's going to happen next year, but he's a big upgrade for that whole offense. Um, he, the guys behind him aren't real threats. Uh, he's got two really good wide receivers in Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas that he's thrown to. Um, you know, Royce Freeman coming in, and they, it, we've got uh, you know a solid running game. Uh, I think you know I don't expect him to be exceptional. You know, I'm not like calling a top ten quarterback year for him. But, you know, if he's priced at, you know, quarterback 26 or something, that's that's a great pick, I think. Um, he's a really solid guy, especially he's like a third quarterback if you're going with three quarterbacks on your team. Um, another one I like is um, Trubisky. I think um, he's he's getting a little more trendy in the, uh, the, the sort of fantasy football community, um, the whole Bears offense. But I think um, with Nagy coming in as the offensive coordinator, um, you know, they're – they're just going to look different than they did last year. Uh, they're going to they're going to move the ball more. They're going to be a better team. I think you know it's his second year. They're going to open it up a bit. Um, he had so few attempts last year. You know, just the increase in volume alone will be good for him. And uh, you know, he's again, he's not a guy who I'm like want to be my QB one. But um, you know, you're drafting at least two quarterbacks on all these teams, and uh, he's a great guy to have as your second quarterback. So he's one I'm targeting. Yeah, I like those. The, the Nagy move to Chicago. I think it's going to be very, very nice for him. And uh, I, I like the Keenum call as well. Those are two very talented receivers, and people think Denver, but they'll forget the quarterbacks they've had there in the past, just not quite the same. <laughs> so it'll definitely make a difference. Uh, let's go to the running back position. Uh, we already talked about we're, we're not doing the committee ideas. And um, what are some of the kind of same same question, kind of the later backs maybe, you know, we think right now looking at depth charts as a running back too that you kind of want to go look at late in drafts. Yeah, um, running back gets real thin in a hurry, uh, you know, sort of as you get into those teens rounds. But there, I do have a few guys that I like. Um, one in particular is uh, Latavius Murray. Um, you know, Dalvin Cook uh, was great last year um, in his really limited sample. But, um, you know, Murray played very well uh, when Cook went down. You know, uh, they they gave him a, a pretty nice contract. They clearly value him. They want him to be a part of the team. Um, you know, even if Dalvin is healthy, um, I think Minnesota is just—they're going to be a very good team. They're going to have—they're going to have the ball near the end zone a lot. And um, Murray probably will get you know a handful of touchdowns, even if Dalvin plays all year. And it, and we saw if Dalvin happens to go down again, he's got kind of a a checkered history in terms of injuries, the upside is very, very high. And this is a guy you can get in the, um, you know, 14th, 15th round of um, a lot of these drafts. So he's one I really like. Um, and then, you know, digging a little deeper. Um, one guy I've just recently started drafting is particularly in PPR leagues. Uh, so more MFL tens than on draft, but it is um, Elijah McGuire on the jets. Uh, I think he's kind of just a forgotten man. Um, Bilal Powell, you know, is getting up there in age. He had some injury trouble last year. Um, Crowell, you know, he's, he's got the lead running back role locked up, but um, he's not a threat in the passing game. McGuire's going to be involved as that third down back, I think. And, um, you know, he showed he's got the talent to take over if something did happen to Crowell. So he, he's a guy I like to add on the end of like a zero running back team. Um, he'll probably fill in a few weeks just through his passing game ability. And, and he has that upside in case things do break the right way for him or the wrong way for Crowell, however you want to look at it. 
Um, so, you know, I like the upside there. Um, there aren't a lot of late running backs that I love, though. You know, the part of, um, like, what I was saying earlier about the um, – the high variance and wide receivers being week to week and what and running backs being kind of season long. Um, I'm really looking at wide receivers late in the draft. You know, that's kind of, I, I plan to be done with running back before I'm getting into like the 15th plus round, unless I've got a guy like McGuire who specifically I want to target. Um, but yeah, those are, those are a couple of the names I'm looking at. You mentioned Latavius Murray, uh, his former teammate, now Jared McKinnon with the Niners. Everybody yeah. is in love with this guy. Like he's going to be the next coming of Shanahan's best running back. And I know he's young. I know he's had flashes of being good. I've seen all the people forming stats last year of well when he's in charge of these weeks. He was one of the top, you know, X amount of running backs. Like I get all that. Are you buying into this hype? Because some, I, I actually saw someone tweet out like a few weeks ago. He went number one in an MFL ten, which I think is just crazy. But uh, yeah. he's like a first rounder in a lot of drafts. Are you buying this? I'm not buying him as a first rounder. You know, he's kind of, he's creeping up more and more, but he, he settled for a little while. It's sort of the, the second round, third round turn. Um, and I was willing to draft him there. I, th- I feel like he fits in right before I mentioned earlier, there's kind of a drop off after the beginning of the f- third round at running back. And, uh, you know, I'm happy to take him there. I think, you know, we do, we haven't seen a full season of work out of him. You know, like you said, we've seen some great flashes. He's super athletic, you know, like, you know, the potential is sky high. Shan- being in Shanahan's offense is a great thing. And the thing that really um, kind of helped his case for me was they didn't draft anybody. Uh, I was kind of worried about that. You know, um, I mean, Brita is there behind him, but I don't think there's a major threat for the work in San Francisco. And I do think their offense is going to be a lot better. So just by virtue of the volume that he should get um, and the lack of competition, he, I think he belongs in that sort of late second round, early third round conversation. Uh, first round, I think, yeah. I mean, we're, the, we're getting ridiculous. I mean, this yeah. is somebody who's just a, a Niners fan or something, but yeah. um, you know, there are, there are much better options uh, at that point, but I, I, I do, I'm, I'm buying into it a bit, you know, I'll, I'll buy him at his ADP. At that ADP I can get with, I, I saw so much stuff when I first started researching stuff about a month ago. I'm like, my goodness, people step back, step back and, and let things settle for a second here. My, my, my God. But um, you, you mentioned at the wide receiver position that this is the place where you, want, you, you can take your gambles and have some fun in the later rounds. And, and you know, people that have played season long enough, you have to imagine those three, four wide offenses, you know, PPR leagues, so NFL 10s maybe a little better. There's always those little guys that just out of the slot will get you five catches for 45 yards. And, you know, on weeks, when stuff works. It's great. So what are just – give me a couple because there's probably a ton – in the wide receiver roles, give me like two two guys you're looking at at the wide receiver position. Yeah, so um, yeah, if we're talking later in the drafts, um, one guy is funny. I I hated him for like two years because he's so overpriced. But um, Moncrief in Jacksonville yeah. is a guy I'm I'm constantly drafting. I mean, it's like 16th, 17th yeah. round. Um, you know, he I expect he's going to be probably their wide receiver two at worst. Um, they paid him like their wide receiver one. I don't you know I don't think he's going to. Um, you know, get more targets than Marquise Lee, but he's going to be involved and uh, certainly more involved than a, a 17th round fantasy pick. Uh, so he's, he's a pretty easy call for me. Um, 
you know, he, he's definitely going to get some touchdowns. He's, he's going to, he's going to be a helpful guy on your rosters. Um, another guy I like, um, I liked him a lot more before the draft, but um, it's Taylor Gabriel in uh, Chicago. We kind of talked about how their offense is um, likely going to turn around this year. And, um, you know, Anthony Miller coming in kind of threw a wrench in that, but he's still, he's kind of the ideal best ball guy. And, and what Miller coming in did was push him down to like a 20th round price tag. Uh, Miller goes ahead of him. Gabriel got paid a legitimate contract. He's going to be a part of the offense. He's a big play threat, which is the kind of thing I love to get in uh, in best ball drafts. So he's another guy I've been looking at. Um, one guy that's just coming on my radar, and I can't decide if I like him or not, is um, Allison, Geronimo Allison in um, okay. Green Bay. Yeah, um, I'm starting to take him a little more seriously. Now I saw some news about Randall Cobb having a new injury. Um, they wearing a boot already or something? Yeah. Um, yeah hey, we didn't get any information about what that was, except that it was new. and um, So that bothered me a little bit. I really like Cobb, just uh, yeah. uh, separately. Um, you know, He's like a ninth-round pick. I think he's a great best ball guy. I, I have a lot of shares of him, but you know, if he is hurt or if he if he's going to start out slow, that does open up some opportunity for Allison. So um, I'm starting to look at him, but I haven't been like going after him so far. And this might be just a no brainer. You could say, Bubba, you, like, of course you're being an idiot, but um, when you're looking at those kind of later round gambles, like, just to spell it out for people, you mentioned Cobb. You've mentioned a few teams that actually have developed the passing game the Jags, maybe not so much, but they did improve it last year. They, and, and they utilized a lot of different receivers. Like it was almost week to week. A different guy was kind of standing out and that's what you're looking for in your best balls. Um, so when you're looking for those late round gambles, are you looking for uh, like specific teams? Maybe do you have like a set of stats you're looking at from the previous year or is it more just kind of what you're reading and camps and everything like that? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a mix. Um, the problem with, you know, you would, you would like to target those great passing offenses, but the, you know, the, the problem with that is most people, you know, most people know about them, right? You know, like it's, exactly. it's hard to find a saints wide receiver that people haven't, you know, heard of, um, or, or at least thought about if they're doing these drafts. But, um, the thing that I really look for is, um, those, those spike weeks, you know, um, so two guys, I mean, you have to look beyond just how many points they scored last year. You have to look at how they scored them because two guys who scored 50 points over 10 weeks, a guy who uh, had five weeks of 10 points or, or um, you know, two, you know, three weeks of, uh, you know, 15 points or whatever is worth more than the guy who had five points every week. He's worth a lot more in these best ball formats. So that's um, like, that's why I mentioned Taylor Gabriel. Um, I don't expect him. I mean, it's kind of crowded there. It's crazy to think that after last year, but it's kind of crowded in the receiving game in Chicago. Now he's not going to have a good game every week, but I do think he's going to, you know, pop off for a, a few, several touchdowns and maybe a couple of multi-touchdown games, which is something that a lot of guys just can't do. It's just not part of their game. Um, so the, you know, that, that's something I do focus on. All right, uh, we're going to skip over the tight ends just because, to me, it's it's the main guys up top, and then it's a just smorgasbord of Everybody take else. your shot, take your shot. So um, we're just going to skip over that and go to the defense just real quick. I mentioned uh, draft doesn't have the defense, and some people might love that. I, I could see both sides of the story. But then mm-hmm. NFL 10s still have the defense. So you're taking at least two. 
How do you approach the defense in these MFL tents? Yeah, so I, I might be the only person who likes talking about defenses um, because I've I've come up with some pretty strong views on them. Um, and this is without even I, I don't have really favorite defenses that I like to draft um, or specific defenses, but the the draft strategy, you know, y- you need to wait on defense. Um, you know, I've looked at kind of win rates um, from these MFL te- MFL ten leagues over the past few years. You know, how often. Do um, do teams actually win when they pick uh, specific players or whatever? And and the first three defenses off the board by ADP, so like the ones that are always going in like the 13th, 14th, 15th round, um, they always almost 100% of the time have a below average win rate. And the reason is you're just the opportunity cost is too high. There are good players on the board, um, at, you know, in those rounds and defense points are very replaceable. Um, people are very bad in general at um, predicting who the best defenses are going to be in terms of fantasy scoring. Um, you know, hey, everyone's drafting uh, Jacksonville very early this year. I don't think it makes any sense. I mean, they are going to be good. They'll probably be, you know, in the top handful of defenses, but they weren't even the highest scoring defense last year. I think most people don't realize that, you know, that Baltimore was number one. Um, I got them late. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, and the highest win rate for a defense last year was New Orleans because they were in the top five in scoring and they were dead last in ADP. Um, and so my approach to defense is I wait. I, I pretty much never take one before the 17th round in MFL 10, and I usually take three of them. Um, and that allows me to, you know, I, I don't even care which ones I get almost. You know, I have a couple that I like a little more than others. But if I've got three of them, um, I try to keep them on different bye weeks, just so I always have two going every week. Um, they're going to they're going to produce an above average defense score by the end of the year, um, pretty much no matter which ones I have. So that's that's really my approach to it. I the opportunity cost is much lower in that 18th, 19th, 20th round where there are very few guys who are actually going to help your roster anyway. But those defenses will get you points in your starting lineup. So that, that's the way I like to look at it. I, I love that idea. Um, when you're looking at the defenses, and I, and I agree 100% uh, in waiting until the end for season long or best ball, there's no point in, in like you said, the return value of a, of a position player where you take these other guys are completely different. Um, do, do you look at maybe I want to target this division like the AFC North or I want to target stuff like that or it's just kind of what's going on when it's there? Um. Yeah, I wish I were as sophisticated as that. Um, but, you know, there I got a couple of defenses that I've been drafting a little more than others just because people I respect have told me to, essentially. Um, you know, like uh, Tennessee Titans, one that I drafted more, um, you know, more often than not. But um, the one thing I do look for is um, I tend to target defenses that are attached to good offenses. Um, you know, so it didn't work out for me last year, largely because they got decimated by injuries, but like the Packers were a big target for me last year and they are again this year. Um, and you know, teams that, because what really drives defensive scoring is not being a really good defense in terms of giving up points, it's scoring touchdowns. I mean, it's points off turnovers and there are a lot more opportunities for points off turnovers when your team is ahead and uh, the other team's got to throw the ball more and they're, they're, you know, sort of in panic mode and hurry up mode. 
Um, so that's something I do look for. Um, and I think, you know, one in particular, I think is probably undervalued from that perspective is um, San Francisco this year is the one I've been drafting a lot because you get them in the last round. Um, they added Richard Sherman. Their, their defense should like just objectively be a little bit better, but then their offense is going to be a lot better this year than last year. Or at least I think it will. Um, so that should lead to more opportunities than I think people realize. No, that's a great point. I kind of look at that when I'm taking guys because they're going to, there's more chances for sacks. There's more chances for sack fumbles. There's more chances for interceptions. And all those, like you said, circle around to scoring defensive touchdowns. Because some people, like you said, they think, oh, they held a team to 13 points on average a week. Well, what they do that actually helped your fantasy team. That's right. I mean, that's what matters. It's all about those points. And people, people don't always see it that way, which is pretty funny. But all right, Mike. That uh, was a lot of awesome, awesome, awesome stuff. Uh, why don't you let everybody know where they can find you and all that good work you're working on over there at Best Ball Command Center? Uh, yeah, so um, you can find me on Twitter at Beerswater. Um, it's uh, beers as in the drink and then water as in the drink. Um, and uh, bestballcommandcenter.com. We'll, um, you, you can subscribe there. We have a, a great Slack channel and a lot of tools. And uh, you should also follow... Uh, my partner in Best Ball Command Center, Joe Paino, who's um, at Paino, P-A-E-N-O, on Twitter. He's been doing an awesome job for us. Um, he's kind of the um, he's kind of the home run hitter to my um, roster construction money ball approach to Best Ball. He had an awesome year last year. And he's been killing it on research. So uh, follow me, Beerswater. Follow Paino, and um, we'll help you out in your Best Ball leagues. Awesome, man. Yeah, everybody, I highly recommend it. Um, I don't have the info like he does, obviously, but he might tweet it out last year. Like he had these graphs and everything about his returns from every from all the results from all his drafts. And he's darn good at what he does. So go go check it all out. Uh, and he has some good work. He posted an article on Twitter today from his work at Roto Grinders as well. So there's a lot of good work that he's done in the past and probably on that website. So go check it all out. But, uh, Mike, thanks for joining me, man. Really, really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was great. Everybody, this is Bench with Bubba, episode 104. Catch you guys later.